We're so glad you've joined us today. God wants to do so much for you and through you, and we want to hear about it. Please take a moment to share your story with us at pastor at relevant316.com. If you would also like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at relevant316.com. There you can select a giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you that your word is life, your word is power. Thank you that you've preserved your word that we may hear your heartbeat towards us, God. And right now I ask that your anointing, your spirit, just fully opens us up to to fully get everything that's in you. Increase our capacity to be filled by you, Lord. Take away distraction, disturbance, and may we receive your heartbeat this morning. And God, we ask that you bless all the other churches that are preaching your gospel this morning. We lift up Vine Life Church. We lift up Crossroads in, in Corona and Crossword in, in, in Moreno Valley. We lift up uh, Harvest and Sandals in the Grove and, and Life Church of God in Christ, the, the Baptist, Methodist, Pentecostal, Charismatics, Calvary Chapel. Thank you, God, that we are, we are surrounded by Catholic brothers and sisters and Seventh-day Adventist brothers and sisters. And I ask that your gospel may be preached to all those who need to hear it, Lord and that they may respond to your love and your grace. In Jesus' name I pray. Everyone shouts. Amen. 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 Thank you, worship team. I, uh, I grew up in, in Berrien Springs, Michigan, small town in, in, in Michigan, and, and, and I grew up in a, in a family of immigrants. We, we came to America when I was eight years old, and, and, and coming to a small town, it still had that small town, old school feel, and and what I've realized is that things have changed. Even there, whenever I go back, things have changed. In my neighborhood, things are different than what it was like if you were growing up in the 80s and the 90s. I remember a time when, when, when we used to love and anticipate company coming over to the house. You'd hear the doorbell, ding dong. Like, oh, who's here? You'd run over there like, oh, come on in. And they'll say something like, we were just in the neighborhood the other African family that lives in town. We were just in the neighborhood, and we thought to ourselves, let us drop by and visit Belimas. Like, come on in. And I loved when company would come over because that was the moment that you were allowed to drink the real juice. Every other time you just drink orange drink. When you have guests over, you have orange juice with the pulp in it. The one that costs $3.49 as opposed to the one that costs 49 cents. Y'all know what I'm talking about. When company would come over, mom would actually cook the meat, the chicken. Everything would, would be spread out. It's like, my goodness. It's like, where has this food been all this time? You'd eat the name brand cookies. Oreos, not O's. <laughs> you got to sit in the good furniture. They'll take the plastic cover off. Y'all know what I'm talking about. And the entire family would gather in the living room, and you'd sit there, your sister, my sister Nick would sit next to me, and I'd be sitting there, and the entire family, and you'd just listen to your parents, listen to the grown-ups talk. So what are you doing here? Well, we were in the neighborhood. Jonah, you are growing up so big. Stand up for me. 
And then your, fam your family, see this African stuff right here, they'll make you do tricks. <laughs> Jonah, please, stand in the middle and sing the song you learned and do the dance from Michael Jackson. <laughs> Show him the moonwalk. And you're like, okay, pretend you're shy, but you've been waiting for this whole hotel. <laughs> It'd be awesome. Nowadays, someone shows up at your door and you're like, who is here? Turn off the lights. You hear someone knocking at the door like, okay, did you pay your tickets? Who has a warrant in here? You know what I'm talking about, right? You need to have that. If you're coming over, even if you're invited, you park in the driveway. Send a text message. Hey, I'm here outside. Can I come and knock on the door? Give me five minutes. My, my wife, my wife, um, you need to pray for her, number one. She's married to me. <laughs> That, that, is, that is a mission right there. <laughs> she, she's a good communicator. She'll tell me like a month in advance, hey, we're having people over on, on May 23rd. Are you going to be around? I'm like, yeah, I don't know what's happening May 23rd, but sure, sign me up. I don't care, whatever. And she's like, okay, I'll send you a reminder. I'll put it on your calendar. I'll, I'll send you an email. I'll send you a text message. I'm going to call you to remind you. And, and for the next few, day, few weeks, she'll remind me that someone's coming over. Me, on the other hand, Royce, just come over anytime. Anytime. So I grew up in an African home where you could just show up. And even just move in. I mean, the true story, I'd have uncles that I never knew where we were related to who'd show up and live with us for six months. He just showed up. We are here. We just got off the plane. And we need a place to stay. Come on in, my brother. Jonah, you're sleeping on the couch, giving up your room. True story, y'all. People come over to the house, and Pauline's like, in the kitchen, I'm like, I got to get the door to Royce. Oh, I forgot to tell you he's coming. Over. But Royce is like, family, come, come on in, Royce. I go to the living room in the kitchen. I'm like, Pauline's in the, where's Pauline? Pauline has snuck around, gone behind the, the pantry, gone up the stairs. I'm like, Pauline, where are you? I'm upstairs. I didn't know we were expecting guests. My hair's not done. She'll come out like complete, like, this is how I wake up. <laughs> like, you weren't wearing heels when you were, what happened, babe? <laughs> her, her, her cousin, her cousin, <laughs> her cousin got a phone call from someone who goes to Relevant Church. They found her, um, her landline number. And so, anybody still have a landline? Okay, yeah. They called her landline. We got a phone call from her cousin. Who calls you on your landline? That is an invasion of privacy. <laughs> and I'm like, do you even answer your landline? No, they left a voicemail. <laughs> How dare, why can't they just call my cell phone? And I'm thinking to myself, I remember the days when if someone called you on your cell phone, you're like, how dare you call me on my cell phone? Don't you know I only have 60 daytime minutes? <laughs> At least wait till 10 o'clock. Different age, man. We don't want unexpected guests, unexpected phone calls. We want you to call, remind us, be on our calendar, fit our schedule. Don't interrupt my every one loves Raymond. 
show. Jesus shows up into our context, into our life, into our world, uninvited. Uninvited. God sends his son to a people, to a world that was fine doing life as usual, and he injects himself into the story and the context of humanity as an uninvited guest. He has to come. Not because we called him, not because we sent him an invitation, not because he RSVP'd to our invitation, but rather because God takes initiative to enter into our story. Luke chapter 7, 11 says this, it says, soon afterward, soon afterward, afterward meaning that there are things that happened before this. What has happened before this is that Jesus has healed the centurion's servant. Jesus has gone to the synagogue and preached the gospel. Jesus has healed the man with the withered hand. Jesus has been teaching about the kingdom of God in a manner that people have never heard before. Before, all they heard was religion and rules, but now Jesus comes and teaches them about life. Life to the full and everyone, the pimps, the hoes, the politicians, the prostitutes, everyone is leaning in and wanting more of Jesus. The, the, the sad thing is that, is that we've made Jesus and Christianity a little bit boring because we've kind of gone back to law and religion. says so he's going to Nain. Soon afterward, uh, he, he went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a great crowd went with him. This crowd of people are happy walking in the newness of life with Jesus. I know you've watched the Jesus movies. I know you have. And in the Jesus movies, it's, it's kind of like this. They're walking to Nain. Peter, blessed are the poor, for they shall inherit the earth. Oh, master, there's a person who's sick. Can you heal her? Do you want to be made well? And you're just like, oh, my gosh. I never want to walk with that dude. Is it just me? It's just, just me, all right. I, I'm the one who got issues. The rest of you are like, I'd have loved it. Let me tell you something. I think that walking with that, that crowd is like, yo, what's he going to do next, man? This is amazing. This crowd that's following Jesus is loud. There's laughter. There's joy. There's all kinds of uh, exuberant praise happening. He's hanging out with fishermen, construction workers. Jokes are all over the place. It's hilarious. I mean, you've got all kinds of people. When you've got a tax collector, which in their day was a mobster, and you've got prostitutes, fishermen, there's going to be some laughter happening there. <laughs> all kinds of people are gathering and they're walking with him. He has interrupted their life, and now they're experiencing the life. And they're walking with him to a place called Nain. This is the only time in all of scripture that a place called Nain is mentioned. Nobody knows what the main industry in Nain was or the main trade in Nain was or what Nain was famous for. When I travel around the country, around the world, uh, people often ask me, so where are you from, sir? And I'll say, I'm from Riverside. And they're like, what? 
What's there? Where's that? Oh, it's in California. Okay. Uh, oh, Los Angeles. I don't know about Riverside. I spent the last couple days in, uh, in uh, L.A., and there's some people from L.A., and they're like, you know, so where, where are you from? And I'm like, uh, I'm, I'm from Riverside. They're like, okay, which, which state is that in? <laughs> I know it's about 50 miles, you know, about an hour drive, you know, uh, three hours of traffic. <laughs> I go, is that north or south? Or I'm like, no, it's an inland, inland empire? Stop right there, sir. Stop. <laughs> You're from Fontucky, aren't you? I'm like, no, I'm from Riverside. You know the Mission Inn presidents have stayed in the Mission Inn. Just the other day, my wife saw Pink, the singer Pink, in the Mission Inn. It's a famous place. Did they have a car breakdown or something while they were on their way to Vegas or something? Why would you go to Riverside, sir? Nain is one of those places. But it says Jesus made a decision to go to Nain. A place that's insignificant, unknown, a byway place. And here's the thing about it. In the history and the story of humanity, earth, that lost planet, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He came to our name. He didn't have to do it, but he came to our name. Are you guys with me this morning? His disciples and the great crowd went with him to name as he drew, verse 12, as he drew near. Everyone say, he drew near. As he drew near to the gate of the town, behold, a man who had died was being carried out, the only son of his mother. Everyone say the only son. The only son of his mother. And she was a widow, and a considerable crowd from the town was with her. Jesus, his disciples, and a great crowd, they're, they're walking with Jesus. They're probably singing some songs. They're probably praising the last thing that he had just done. They're probably marveling on the words that he had just spoken. They're probably just hanging out, eating some in and out. I don't know what they're doing, but they're enjoying the life in walking with Jesus. But on the other side is another walk of death. People who are headed to a funeral. People who are mourning. People who are in pain. And they meet at a crossroads. I want you to understand that this is the perspective that all of eternity has to your world. There's two groups of people on this planet. Only two groups. Either you're walking in life with Jesus or you're walking in death to your funeral. It says that this, this woman that only has... The only son of her mother has died, and she's a widow, and a considerable crowd has come with her. The only son of his mother, the, the only, the only. She's lost her only. And she is a widow. 2,000 years ago in a male-dominated society, if you are a widow and you've lost your only child, it means that utter devastation has come to your house. You no longer have wealth. You no longer have a position. You no longer have anything in this world. As a matter of fact, the best thing that can happen to you is that you now become a servant or a slave or someone else. You become a target. 
to be maimed, raped, and destroyed. Yes, she's going to her son's funeral, but her life as she know it has also come to an end. His death represents her death. Her only son. Uh, this is the third time in the Gospel of Luke that, that, that Luke points out someone's only child. Jairus had his only daughter. And, and, and there's another account of, of another only child who, who is lost. And, and here we see this only son of this widow. And, and, and what I want to say is this, is that she, this son represents her, her greatest loss. But Jesus, God's only son, represents heaven's greatest gain. In losing her only son, utter devastation. In God giving his only son an eternal gain. While she was losing, while we were losing, God was giving. God was in the act of restoration. There's a great crowd that has gathered around This woman, and point number one, if you're taking notes, is simply this. Humanity can offer sympathy, but heaven gives a solution. Humanity can can give you sympathy, but, but heaven offers a solution. Whenever someone is, have you ever been in a situation where someone is hurting and, and you come around them and, and you say the nice, the nice thing to say, is there anything I can do for you, knowing that there's nothing you can ever do? They came around her because they knew that this was the greatest loss, but they could not do anything to effectively produce change in her life and in her situation. Humanity can give you, can give you sympathy. Heaven comes with a solution. Heaven comes with a solution. It says that he, he, he saw her. The Lord saw her. He had compassion. Verse 13, he had compassion on her and said to her. I, I, I want to just go back. And I, wanna, I want you to catch some things that are happening in this passage. In, in, the, in the passage that precedes this, this story, in the story of the centurion's uh, servant in, in verse 3 of chapter 7 there, it talks about how the centurion heard about Jesus and he sent for Jesus. He sent a delegation of elders to go and inquire if Jesus could come to his house and heal his servant. In this situation, however, Jesus is just going through Nain and, and, and he does not expect, he does not receive faith from anyone. Nobody inquires, Jesus, we're on a funeral. Is there anything you can do? What we read is this, is that soon after, verse 11, watch this. He went. Who went? He went. In verse 12, and he drew near. Oh, this is good stuff right here. Because, see, when you were far away from God and dead in your sins, you couldn't call out to God. But he drew near. Oh, I feel like preaching now this morning. He drew near. And behold, a man who had died was being carried out, the only son of his mother. And and, and, and verse 13, when the Lord saw her, when the Lord saw her, it says this, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm 
found, was blind, but now I see. This woman did not see Jesus. Grace saw her first. The Lord saw her first. The Lord drew near first. The Lord of his own initiative made a decision to go to Nain and visit this funeral procession. He saw her. He drew near. He went. He initiated the conversation and spoke to her. Point number two, if you're taking notes, the divine initiative is the starting point of grace. The divine initiative is the starting point of grace. See, see, religion will tell you, get yourself together, then you can come to God. Grace is God saying, I don't care how dead you are, I'm going to visit you at your funeral. The divine initiative is the starting point of grace. He made an initiative to reach us. Now, now the next part here is, is where it gets kind of like... Um, a little dicey for me because I'm a smart aleck. If you're close to me, you know that. And you appreciate it too. You would not have anyone to laugh at in your life if it wasn't for me opening up my mouth and needing to stick a foot in it. So He saw her and he had compassion on her and he said, do not weep. I have been at many funerals presiding as a minister at the funeral. And let me tell you something. When you're on my side of it, people say the dumbest things at funerals. They say the dumbest things. I'm here by the casket, open casket, the people are coming by and, and viewing the body. And, and you'll hear stuff like this. Oh, she looks so peaceful. And I'm standing there with my Bible. No, this is inside my head. No, she looks dead. <laughs> that was the dumbest thing you could say. She looks peaceful. She doesn't look peaceful. She looks dead. <laughs> now you're going to watch your words, see? It's a funeral. If I was one of the disciples and I hear Jesus going up to the woman, don't cry. What? Lord! She just lost her only son. Are you crazy? But when Jesus says, do not weep, it is the, the preemptive statement right before he's about to do something. Right before he's about to interrupt your pain for power. Right about when he's about to take your, your sorrow and turn it into a song. Come on, somebody. Right about when he's about to take your despair and give you something more than you ever, ever could have ever imagined in your destiny. Are you guys with me this morning? Do not weep. Oh, Mary, don't you weep. Oh, Martha, don't you moan. Pharaoh's army's been drowned in the Red Sea. Y'all ain't with me this morning. Y'all ain't with me. When Jesus looks at your situation and says, do not weep, that means you look to him and say, what are you about to do right now, God? What are you about to do to affect change in my life? 
When you, whenever you're going through your midnight hour and you go to the Word and it says that weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning, that is your opportunity to get on the edge of your seat and say, God, even though it looks horrible, you're about to do something in my world to bring a change, to reverse the curse, to, to turn it upside down. Oh, man, isn't God good? Do not weep, he said to her. I, I'm stuck. I'm stuck on this part. He says that he had compassion. He had compassion. Humanity can offer you sympathy, empathy, pity even. But grace gives you compassion. Compassion provides a solution through an action that is divine and miraculous. When, when, when there they, they were 5,000 men, about 20,000 women and children gathered hearing children, hearing Jesus speak and, and teach them, and, and they were all hungry. You remember the story, right? And it, the, the text says that he looked at them as sheep without a shepherd, and he had compassion towards them. Almost every miracle, every amazing thing that God does begins from compassion. As a matter of fact, what I'd like to submit to you uh, is, that, is that this passage is nothing more than shorthand, John 3.16. For God so loved compassion that provides an action. Y'all with me? He had compassion on her. And he said to her, do not weep. Then he came up and touched the beer. The, no, not the beer that you're thinking about. <laughs> Some of you are like, oh, orale, he had a corona. Hey. <laughs> he touched the beer. <laughs> hmm? I go home and say, you know, I went to church this morning and the pastor said that Jesus touched the beer. B-I-E-R. It's an open casket. He touched the coffin. He touched the coffin. And the bearers stood still. They stood still. What they're trying to say is that they freaked out. Because religion has said that if, if, if a man touches a coffin, he becomes ceremonially unclean. It was against the law, against their religion, for a, a holy person to touch a dead carcass. Because if you touch a dead thing, you take death upon yourself. But Jesus is the only person who can go and touch sinful man and make sinful man righteous. Jesus is the only person that can touch a coffin and bring life out of it. So as he touched the the bearers are like, oh. What are we going to do? Do we stone him now? All kinds of thoughts are going in their mind. The law created this barrier. Now, now, now if you've been around for a while, you, you'll know that religion is against my relationship with God. Because religion creates barriers. Religion creates boundaries. Religious creates rituals, 
Religion separates us. Religion says that you're unclean and, and I'm clean. Religion does all these things. But the gospel is, if I be lifted up, I will draw all people unto me. I'll bring people together. I'll break the, the, the rules that have separated us. Point number three, compassion ignores convention. Compassion ignores convention. The convention said that you could not do these things. You cannot touch. You cannot get close. You cannot, you cannot commingle yourself with these types of people. We're calling this series Dead Lives Matter. And I don't make it a practice to talk about race, politics, and all those things. I only talk about the kingdom because that's the only kingdom I, I, I live in. So forgive me if, if I never get political on you. But I need to address this. Because the Dead Lives Matter is a callback to Black Lives Matter. And some of you have had issues with Black Lives Matter or you're in Black Lives Matter or whatever it is. And what happens is that whenever you hear dead li Black Lives Matter, some people come back with all lives matter. But what you're saying is that I don't want to hear about your story. Now, I'm not saying that I politically agree with every platform. But what I will say is this. My life matters, and so does yours. I'm not saying that my life is better. I'm saying it matters. I grew up in Bering Springs, and about eight miles away from Bering Springs is a town called St. Joe. And across the river from St. Joe is a town called Benton Harbor. This probably doesn't happen in California. Not in Riverside at all. Benton Harbor is 99% African-American. St. Joseph is 99% white, Caucasian, separated by a river. Growing up in that area, it was common to say that the people from Benton Harbor don't go to St. Joe, and the people of St. Joe don't go to Benton Harbor. And if you ever saw a mixed group of people from those towns together, Convention would say, stay away. Maybe that doesn't happen in Riverside and on the east side and Orange Crest. I don't, I don't know if this town has that history with Casablanca and Last Year. I don't know if that has ever happened here. I don't know if people have been separated across lines because of convention. I, I don't know if on your Facebook all your friends have defriended each other because of I, I don't know, maybe, maybe it's just in my reality, I don't know. But what I'd like to submit to you is this, is that when you realize humanity can have sympathy, but heaven offers a solution. When you realize that God's grace, his initiative is a starting point of grace, and when you realize that his compassion ignores convention, we start looking at each other differently. We start looking at each other, realizing that there's only two groups of people. Those who are dead and walking to a funeral and those who have come to life and are walking with Jesus. And the lines that separate become erased by the blood of Christ. The positions 
politically that you hold on to, that, may I submit to you, won't matter in a million years. What will matter is what you did with the compassion of Christ. What will matter is the equity of relationships that you take into the kingdom with as opposed to the relationships that you break in your arguments. If you can't say amen, say ouch. It's okay. Compassion ignores convention. He came up and, and said to the, he said to the, to the young man, I say to you, arise. And the dead man sat up. And began to speak and Jesus gave him to his mother. Jesus gave him to his mother. For us, it's just like, okay, it's obvious. Like, you know, this this man comes back to life and, and Jesus is now giving him back to his mother. No, 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 no. What I want you to catch is this, is that everything that has been stolen by the devil, everything that has been pulled out of that life, all the death that she's been experiencing is now restored back to her. Jesus Giving the son back to the mother was life has come back to you. Wealth is now still in your family. You now have a future and a hope. This is not a dead end. It's just the beginning. When Jesus comes through, restoration happens. And what follows restoration is rejoicing. Amen. Rejoicing. It says this, it says, it says, fear seized them all. The folks that were going to the funeral and the folks that were walking in life with Jesus, they all were in complete awe. Complete awe. You know, we, 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 we have misused English, Pastor Scott, completely misused English. I mean, you can have a burger. Matt and I had a burger last night. We were at the Garland Hotel in North Hollywood and I'd, I'd gotten the burger the day before, and I was like, Matt, before we go back to, to uh, Riverside, we need to have a burger. He's like, oh, man, it's kind of late. I was like, no, 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 we need to have a burger. And I had a burger. And so we got our burger, and he took a bite, and he was completely bewildered. I looked at him. He looked dizzy. <laughs> he lost his train of thought. I'm not even joking. It's a real story. He told you, right? He was like, oh, my gosh. This burger is awesome. I think I'm going to book a night at this hotel and bring my wife just so that she can have this burger with me. I'm pulling it on, putting it on my calendar right now. Bucket list burger. <laughs> we will call burgers awesome. We had an awesome burger. Some of you are already getting mad. Like, no, only In-N-Out has awesome burgers. What are you talking about? You got some Five Guys Burgers people. You're like, no, 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 only Five Guys is an awesome one. We've misused the word awesome because we'll say that a burger is awesome, some french fries are awesome, or, or you had an awesome movie experience, and all these other things are awesome. Let me tell you something. Awesome is a God word. When you see someone that was dead come to life and begin to talk and restoration take place, that's awesome. And they glorified God. Saying, a great prophet has arisen among us. God has visited his people. God has visited his people. Let me tell you something. There are many kinds of religions out there, and none of them will ever tell you that God visits his people. 
None of them will, will have a narrative of Emmanuel, God, with us. It's rather God wants you to come a little bit higher. God wants you to approach him and make yourself better before you reach him. But the narrative of the gospel is God has visited his people. Religion, point number four, if you're taking notes, religion is God has judged people. And the gospel is God has visited his people. God has visited his people. Uninvited. He didn't call ahead. He didn't wait for you to give him an invitation. He didn't wait for you to get your life together. He just showed up and knocked on the door and said, I'm here. I want to touch your coffin. I want to trade your death with my life. God has visited you. The thing about it is that when God shows up, are you running around the pantry going upstairs to hide to get your makeup and your hair right first? Or are you going to run to the door and say, come on in, I've been waiting for you. Are you going to anticipate sitting at his feet to hear his story and how he can change your life? Or is this just another interruption to your program? Compassion moved him. It was his own initiative that brought him to you. Your response can either be a response of restoration and rejoicing to what he'll do, close the door and say, no, you're not welcome here. I'm going to pray and I'm going to make an invitation for you to allow Jesus to visit you in your heart. To welcome in, welcome in, in as a guest whose arrival has been long overdue. To turn your funeral into a praise. To take your death and give it life. Let us pray. God, thank you so much for your word. We've laughed together. We've had an awesome time of learning from your word. But now is the moment that your spirit is knocking on doors doors of people's hearts. Holy Spirit, speak to that individual, those individuals that need to open up and say, yes, come in right now. If that person is you, do me a favor, just raise up your hand. I want to pray for you wherever you are. You're saying, I want to give God a chance. I want to 
let him into my life right now. I want to allow him to be in as a welcome guest. I see you. God bless you. God bless you. Lord, you see the hands. You see the hearts. And there's someone else who's wondering, should I? Is it me that you're talking about? Yes, it's you that I'm talking about. Open yourself up to him. Lord, we receive your gospel. We thank you for your initiative to save us. We thank you that you've turned our sorrow into a new song. And we give our lives to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Come on, give God a great big hand of praise this morning. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Relevant Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Snapchat. 